We just have to remember to not forget, to always remember to don't, you know? Forget. Just don't. I feel like there was something we were supposed to remember. Don't. Don't. Always remember to don't forget. Hashtag never remember. Never forget. Never what? forget. <laughs> ah, this is why I need my bullet journal. <laughs> It's so big and not haunted. It's so big and not haunted. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) We've had too much booze prohibition time. I've just been lamenting to Philippa as well that my iPad is haunted. So basically what that means is it's got ghost touch or false touch, which means that it acts like someone is using it. So it like zooms in and out and types stuff. And Philippa joked, it's like, it, you know, because I said it's haunted and it'll open up Google Maps. And, and I was like, ha ha yeah. And then Google Maps fucking just opened and it sort of like zoomed around and like moved the map around. I was like, where, where is your body? What are we going to do? And long story short, that's how we found the treasure and are now millionaires. And so now you don't have to give to our Patreon. We'll give to your Patreon now. <laughs> it comforts me to know that there's a ghost inside the iPad. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it makes it... I'm trying to do stuff, and then it's like, oh, oh, sorry, Acrelda, uh, go ahead. Never oh, She's going to be called Acrelda. I need to have a better name for her. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. What's my ghost in my iPad called? <laughs> Let me know on Twitter, which is at AwfulForeverPod. <laughs> you think we'd name it after the people that we personally have murdered? Because it must be one of them. Well, yeah, but then they'll use that as evidence against us. Uh, that's why you're the smart mm. one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know we don't have guns in this country, but I think there's more subtle ways to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, mail them cat poop with glitter. I just feel like you and I just shouldn't cross each other. Ever. It would be amazing. Wouldn't it be like an apocalyptic battle of yes. the ages? Yes. We know all of our worst fears. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Could we have a fight? Could we? I feel like the world wouldn't be, wouldn't survive. Wouldn't be ready for it. (laughs) It You'd wake up the next day and it's like, how's outside? Oh, it's all ash. (laughs) It must have come to blows. (laughs) And then we make up and resume everything's awful forever. Uh, Which, by the way, I am Jessica Byrne. Do not cross me. I'm Philippa Evans. I may or may not have every audio recording ever made by Jess. Fuck that you. I wouldn't use for evil. Fuck, you actually do, though, don't you? <laughs> Damn it! Don't reveal to the world that I'm actually a racist. Edit <laughs> <laughs> that out. I'm not going to. No, what was that country I was always picking on in the beginning? I can't remember. It was like somewhere that I was like, when I was pretending that I was a racist, I was like, and fuck Lithuania in particular. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. So this episode will not be my last on Bedlam. Originally, in my notes, I typed out, this will be my last episode on Bedlam. Many hours later, I came back and added the word not. (laughs) The madness goes on into eternity, Jess. Everything is Bedlam forever. Okay. This is our new podcast direction. It's all just a Bedlam. Bedlam, bedlam, bedlam. I feel like this is like season two, and season two focuses on, on just bedlam. bedlam and madness. <laughs> Although for this ep- 
episode, Bedlam will not be the main character. When we last looked at our favorite asylum in the world, it was preparing for its second relocation in the early 1800s. But before we take a look at how that worked out, we need to take a little step back in time and space to meet Bedlam's two greatest challenges. Oh. The criminally insane and also Quakers. This is the noise of me clapping. <laughs> For Quakers or the criminally insane? Both. Awesome. Yeah. You're amazing. Um, put them together in a room. I'm for it. So let's start with the former. Controversial statements. Okay. I know. Right. But I would hazard to say that minority groups have gotten a pretty raw deal over time and across the world. No, I feel like they're... I feel like we're done with there. It's all solved. Everything's solved. And it's fine. And the world's perfect the way it is. And I love the status quo. But things were mildly inconvenient before. Uh, I mean, they whine about it. (laughs) (laughs) You drink that beer, Jess. (laughs) And as we mature as a species, we're coming to realize just how close-minded and cruel we can be towards one another over details that are not within our control. Mm -hmm. And that even if they were within our control, are not deserving of discrimination. Like race or sexuality or gender or... Whether you enjoy ska music. <laughs> and I do. Well, I used to. <laughs> Deeply. That's why we still need segregation, Jess. <laughs> so there's one minority group that's really difficult to care about, and that's prisoners. I mean, yeah. they are criminals. Surely they deserve to be locked up in a horrible place, treated horribly, and be forced into horrible slave labor. Sometimes dangerous, horrible slave labor. Hmm. And a number of powerful countries certainly seem to think so today. And who are we to naysay the government, Jess? Who are we indeed? Anarchists. It's not like the people should have control and stuff, and people have human rights because they have a mild drug offense for a thing that probably isn't really a big deal anyway. Way. No. Yeah. Oh, I have so many strong feelings about prisons. <laughs> and now is alas not the time. Indeed, it is not. <laughs> so I'm not going to get into the debates now. Suffice to say that in 1777, John Howard agreed with us retrospectively, re- forwardspectively, something. <laughs> I'm tired. And led a prison reform movement in Britain to great effect improving the lives of those who were detained in prison as well as the people who worked in them. Mm. So suddenly they were like, ah, maybe we should still treat them like people. Yeah. Mm-mm. So segregate the men and the women in prison because it wasn't working out before, let's be fair, guys. And also maybe regularly pay the prison guards as well because, eh, small baby steps. Bold, bold moves. But what, I hear you cry, Jess, in abject confusion. What does this have to do with Bedlam. <laughs> so sometimes crime and insanity overlap in a horrific Venn diagram of tragedy, and then the legal system is confronted with the question of where to exactly put the criminally insane. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened on May the 5th, 1800s, when someone tried to kill the King George III while he was attending a theatre in Drury Lane. I love George. He's just so patient with people trying to kill him as things will turn out. (laughs) Oh, George. (laughs) He was a good human man. And he was also lucky as it turned out. When he entered the royal box, the orchestra struck up the national anthem and the audience all rose to their feet. Of course. And he, like a king, graciously bowed towards his subjects who are all respecting him. And just at that moment, as he bowed, a bullet whizzed over his head. (gasps) Right where his brains would have been if he hadn't been so busy bowing to people. The assassin was a man called James Hadfield, who was about 30 years old, and claimed that he'd shot to miss. 
His story was that he'd done it in order to enrage the audience in the hope that they would tear him to pieces on the spot. Oh, whoa. So a really bizarre suicide attempt. Yeah. I just feel they cut out the middleman. You've I got mean, a gun. Look, and... Jess, you can only die once. Yeah. Make a creative. Okay, I do want to go out spectacularly. You're right. I don't just want to... None of this fading away nicely thing. It needs to be screaming. It needs to be bloody. It needs to be... <laughs> Epic. There has to be glitter. There's got to be. If I can just explode <laughs> in a plume of glitter <laughs> and also then turn into a cloud of bats, that would be Mwah, chef kiss. And James Hadfield, according to James Hadfield, wasn't just going to, you know, put this to luck. He was taking matters into his own goddamn hands. Yeah, hell yeah. What he said presented a problem, because if he truly meant to assassinate the king, then that was treason. But if his mental health was in doubt, which his confession suggested, then he'd be cleared of treason. And the question would arise as to what to do with him, because if you're acquitted, you're released. Hmm. And the evidence for mental illness was pretty convincing. He'd fought against the French army, and at the Battle of Lancel... Good French. Thank you. Very nice. Parsley vast good Francis. When the British were overwhelmed by the French, he'd engaged in hand-to-hand combat and sustained eight saber wounds to the head. Wow, and that's a lot. While they didn't know much about brain damage at the time, I think they were like, that's a few good knocks to the noggin. It's probably bad, isn't it? I mean, it's going to change someone. Yeah. So he was a prisoner in France for two years before being released to England in, ni- in 1795, a man changed by the horrors of war. <laughs> and brain stabbing. <laughs> and brain stabbing. The horrors of brain stabbing. <laughs> I like you were going to do something and then were like... No, I raised no. my fist as if to stab and yeah, then realized... Like, audio we medium, were, audio medium. This is a podcast. <laughs> but there were also arguments in favor of treason. Hadfield was acquainted with a man called Bannister Trulock, which is a cool name. Oh, why, why are all our names so lame these days? Greg... <laughs> <laughs> so Bannister Trulock believed himself to be a revolutionary prophet named Saturn. Okay. Because he was like, Bannister's not a cool enough name. <laughs> it needs to be more right. Call me Saturn. <laughs> he also believed that the Virgin Mary was a whore, his words not mine, that Christ was a thief, and that God was a black god. Oh. Insults were thrown. Ooh. Shade was cast. Yeah. Thrown? All I mean, shade. Shade was thrown. Shade was thrown. If you cast shade, you're merely tall on a sunny day. (laughs) That's the episode quote. (laughs) Testimony was later given that Hadfield and Trulock intended to set up house together, in which Hadfield would be God and Trulock would be Satan. And I don't know who was going to be the one who did the cooking and cleaning and (laughs) who was going to bring home the bacon. What I needed to know was who was going to hold the camera while they were both furiously fucking each other. (laughs) That would be me. Okay, good. Great. So this might sound like an argument towards insanity, but Trulak was the charismatic leader of a revolutionary group. Yay. Around this time, there were quite a few revolutionary groups. It was French revolutionary time. It was a weird time for all. And... Some of those groups, the minority, believed that the political turmoil in Europe was a portent of the second coming of Christ, and Hadfield had come to be one of Trulock's followers, with Trulock prophesying that Hadfield would come to greatness, specifically that Hadfield's death would lead to the second coming of Christ. Right. Which is why Hadfield was trying to engineer this bizarre form of suicide. Right. I guess it's like it wasn't just to kill yourself. It needed to be something big. Splashy. To, to like, 
make the catalyst of Jesus coming back. <laughs> Interesting. The year before the assassination attempt, in 1799, all revolutionary parties, clubs, and societies were outlawed. Because the British government didn't like revolutionary groups, kind of by definition, really. Mm -hmm. And they tried a number of their leaders for treason. So the boundaries between treason and insanity were blurred, and that was what was going to make the difference for, for Hadfield. If he was sane, he'd be executed for treason, drawn to the gallows and burned alive. So good. Pretty extra, but yeah. If insane, he'd be cleared of all charges and released. They could... I mean, I know we're, we're thinking, why not just stick him in a lunatic asylum? Mm. But that wasn't what they did back then. They'd never really had cases like this happen before. So they were like, they weren't really allowed just to throw him away forever. Mm. Because... You're only allowed to confine somebody for as long as they appear to be mad. Ah. And Hadfield showed bouts of madness and moments of lucidity, so they wouldn't be able to keep him away forever. And then he might try something like this again. Mm. So they didn't know how to deal with a case like his at this point in time. But this wasn't their first rodeo. Mm -hmm. They'd encountered this kind of problem before. And it's this that would give them some ideas. So in 1786, poor old George III and his ministers had turned to Bedlam for help after another, well, I guess not another, but a previous attempted assassination. <laughs> this would be just about when Thomas Monroe was taking up his father's place and becoming the third Monroe physician at Bedlam. So the king and his ministers all called for the Monroes to come over and help them out. The king was safe, but they had this woman who wasn't acting like a normal female should. Oh dear. She was showing a little bit of the crazy signs. Oh, like no. She was speaking a lot. Oh, Disgusting. Oh my god. So earlier that day, George III was arriving at the palace from Windsor, and there were some people gathered around to watch him arrive, because this was in the days before TV. <laughs> and amongst <laughs> them was a woman dressed in a flowered linen gown with a black silk cloak and a cap with blue ribbons, because even when a woman's trying to assassinate the king, people need to comment on what she's wearing at the time. You need to look real good as well while you're doing anything, I think. And... If, if you're gonna kill a king, do it stylishly. Yeah. And I'm going, mm, cap with blue ribbons. I don't know, Margaret. I don't know. Mm, I mean, is your toe hanging off your, you know, the end of your shoe? Oh, mm. you can't kill someone in sandals, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the croc assassinator. <laughs> So when the king arrived, this woman, uh, Margaret, stepped up to him and handed him a piece of paper with her right hand, while her left hand lunged towards the king, holding an old dessert knife. <laughs> and the king was saved once more by a polite bow, because she, ca she gave him the piece of paper, and he was kind of bowing graciously as he took the piece of paper for her, going, oh, thank you, so kind, what is this delightful little scrap of paper? And as he bowed, her knife missed him. <laughs> um, she did manage to stab him in the heart when she tried again. What? But the knife was so old that it just crumpled against him. That was awkward. Oh, wow. Everyone felt embarrassed. Also, was George ever upright? Was that the problem? <laughs> he just walked around, kind of like, over. bowing to everybody. <laughs> and after that, he continued, because he was like, well, that's it, Molo. Well, bow is See, politeness. That's what'll save us all. Yeah, Fuck just be it. nice to people. Yeah. 
So when the knife crumpled, he was like, okay, Margaret, I see we're all a little bit embarrassed. Why don't you just go home, get another <laughs> knife, and we'll try this again tomorrow, shall we? By the way, what are you wearing? Why is What's with all the ribbons in your hair? It looks terrible. No, no. If I'm going to be murdered by a crazy woman, I would like her to be wearing something a little better. So have your people speak to my people. I kind of like King George because <laughs> as people ran to grab this woman who was stabbing frantically with her crumpled knife, the first thing that he yelled out was, I have received no injury. Don't hurt the woman. The poor creature appears to be insane. Oh, George. George. George, you boy. And considering that he went erratically mad later on. I feel that yeah. <laughs> the world owed him a good turn. <laughs> so the woman's name was Margaret Nicholson. She was 36 years old and believed that it was her right to be the King of England. Okay, good. I mean, <laughs> yes, I yes. feel the same way, so... She'd written several petitions to the king previously explaining this, <laughs> but the people who received them were like, I'm going to put this in the crazy pile. Yeah, I've done that to Bill Gates as well, and he doesn't want to give me all his money. Well... I. I deserve it! Pick up your dessert knife then, Jess. It's for people who deserve things. You're right. She, oh, she probably did that. She was like, this is my just dessert knife. <laughs> and with that pun, she flew like a bat to the palace. I see it all now. Why wasn't? Why didn't I become a professional historian? I don't know. Me neither. No. The world lost out, didn't it? We're doing, well, we're doing, that's what we're doing now. Professional historian. This is our, like hours and hours long uh, CV that we're going to send to employers <laughs> to hire us as historians. But you know, Jess, there's a place for us on the History Channel. That's super it. I feel it. Look how cute we are. <laughs> as well, we need to be on the TV. You guys have all just had to deal with our voices up until now. But... Our beautiful voices! <laughs> Please continue. I'm so aroused. <laughs> so Margaret presented the same problems as Hadfield did found guilty of treason or acquitted due to insanity. The king didn't want her to be burned alive. He felt really sorry for her, especially after they learned about her hard life. They didn't really want to bring her to trial. It seemed a bit cruel. Also, she was a woman and they're fragile creatures. And you know, she'd been real brave, but <laughs> but she was a member of the fairer sex and it just leaves you feeling unchivalrous when you yeah. burn them alive. Yeah, I mean, she left the house all by herself. Yeah. Used a knife for something that wasn't cooking. She used cooking? a dessert knife. Yeah. You gotta use the fish knife for that kind of. You gotta use the fish knife. Clearly insane. Yeah. Don't burn her. Dummy. But they also didn't want to just release her back onto the streets because who knows? She'd soon be whacking people with pie dishes. Just <laughs> no. So they managed to pronounce her insane on the spot and commit her to bedlam. They didn't even give her a trial. They were just uh -oh. like, <laughs> they called over the Monroes and other physicians and they were like, this lady is insane. Put her away. And she went for her part without protest. And she lived out the rest of her life in bedlam without causing any further alarm for the next 42 years oh. until she died in 1828. And so in her case, it was kind of easy to just ignore the problem of insane but acquitted or guilty but murdered. They just walked on by the whole question of a trial and yeah. put her away in the box. Put her in the box. Locked the key, threw, threw it away. away. <laughs> the woman in the box. Ignore the trial. And even though she was a poor 
woman. Unfortunate soul. Poor unfortunate soul. Cold and sick and hungry. Cold and sick and hungry. <laughs> the London public still objected to this because in the first place, this was a convenient loophole for other criminals to just fake insanity and go to an asylum. I mean, they still try it now, don't they? They do. I ate choco pups this morning and it made me energetic and <laughs> that's why I had to eat those four people. <laughs> So it introduced a tricky loophole. And secondly, the London public were really suspicious of potentially sane people being falsely imprisoned in lunatic asylums. Mm, yeah. I mean, everyone was doing it. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you could throw someone in there for life and then you can't uninsane yourself mm -hmm. to this day. Apparently it's hard to shake the insane label. So they were like, well, if we're not having a trial and you're just secretly locking her up in there, we don't like this. We don't like it. We don't want this you to do bad. it. It could be me next. Yeah. Mm. The king and his ministers dealt with that by going, whoops, no legal process to deal with this kind of thing. Let's just move on. That didn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm doing war with Iran now. <laughs> America? <laughs> What's all that about? Let's, let's focus on that. I just insulted a physically disabled person. <laughs> Talk about that on Twitter. King out. <laughs> but they couldn't do it again mm. with Hadfield. Mm. Also, he was a man. Also, he was a war veteran. Oh, also, yeah. So uh, they couldn't just pull the whole little, just psh, put him in the box. So in the end, he was taken to trial where their solution was to proof in the court of law that he was insane mm. they got hundreds of people to testify it was a very long case the judge was bored <laughs> so they believed by the end that he'd been insane at the time of the assassination then they took him to newgate prison as a suspected lunatic just for the time being no one's going to any asylums forever <laughs> just gonna, we're just putting him there for his good and uh -huh, ours uh -huh. we're just thinking about what to do with him uh -huh. and then they swiftly passed two bills the treason bill downgraded the attempted assassination of the king or queen to a common criminal offense rather than treason. What? So if you if you like tried to stab the king or the queen, that would be a criminal offense. I'm not going to go too much into why they did that. It was basically because people accused of treason had special privileges in uh, treason trials. Right. That made it very inconvenient. So they just used that moment to kind of slip in that bill. But the second bill that they passed was called the Criminal Lunatics Act. And that allowed judges to have criminal lunatics detained indefinitely oh. for as long as they were deemed a threat to the public. So to be put away until the king, at, at the king's pleasure, I oh. think, which meant by forever. Oh, yeah. So oh, he's like, I'm bored. Release the madman <laughs> to amuse me at my pleasure. <laughs> at my pleasure. <laughs> so they passed those bills fucking quickly. It also gave them the power to detain anyone unable to stand trial due to insanity. Hadfield had been able to stand trial, but then you had old Bannister Trulock, who was just raving mad, couldn't stand trial, and that just let them go. Just put him away. Just in the box. In the box. Yeah. Hi, Margaret. Open the box. <laughs> Pick some friends. Drop them in. Close the box. Lock the box. All of this meant that Trulock and Hadfield could be moved to Bedlam. Mm. Sorted everything out. Done. Due process now. We know what we're doing if this happens again. Great. Episode over. Mm -hmm. Solved. All lived happily ever after. Yes. Episode over in the court of law. 
all just this we're stopping talking now. hi this is this is caught forever <laughs> hadfield was not a well-behaved patient in bedlam he murdered another inmate oh no probably oh okay. he escaped once and was recaptured <laughs> oh. and made petitions to either be freed or to be allowed to hold communications with a female through the railings his words I'm guessing a sex thing. <laughs> and also they said no. Aww. They must have thought it would be a sex thing as well. I mean, it's definitely a sex thing. I think communications. I mean, this is like the olden days where you weren't allowed to say anything. So <laughs> every Read every single word as an innuendo. Meanwhile, he's in uh, his cell crying a single tear, just longing for a female conversation. Oh, he just wants to hear lady voice. <laughs> So this was all very well and good, but the 1880 Criminal Lunatics Act introduced further problems. People realized that there were other lunatics confined in prisons, hmm. either being abused by other prisoners and visitors, or disturbing and terrifying the other prisoners in their own turn. Yeah. The act also allowed courts to imprison more people than they had before, because previously, if you were deemed insane, you were just released again. Mm. Now, rather than releasing the mad back into society, they were confining them to prisons. So the prisons were getting overcrowded. And as I said at the beginning, there was this whole prison reform thing going on where people were beginning to maybe care about prisoners. Yeah, no longer just putting them in those... They were basically like pits where you could just mm. be exposed to the elements, just put you in there and you like... They were, I think they were called like the... Fight club. Top fight club, yes. <laughs> fight club. And, you know, and then open top cells, something like that. Ah. Or like just squishing them like sardines into <laughs> little cells. Yeah. And lunatic criminals were expensive to maintain. As a result, certain parish authorities, who had previously been responsible for taking care of poor lunatics, were manipulating these poor madmen into committing crimes so that they could become oh. the responsibility of the nearest prison instead. Huh. Thus saving their own funds. Oh I God. like people with entrepreneurial thinking. Why are humans the worst? <laughs> in oh. all ways. <laughs> so more asylums were built in order to discourage this. But the seriously, problematically, criminally insane, like the dharmas of the Victorian world... <laughs> <laughs> It was difficult to house them in a normal asylum. There was only one place that could, and this was Bedlam. Mm. But there was a teeny, tiny problem associated with this. I mean, Bedlam was like, we hear you. We, we technically have the facilities to deal with these lunatics. Not that you'd know, because we don't let anybody inside our asylum. <laughs> and that's just what bugged them. Because of the prison reform movement, transparency in the treatment of prisoners had become an inconvenience that the governors of Bedlam just didn't want to deal with. Because, mm. like, we can take your, your violent madmen, but then are you going to check up on them? And we don't want that, because no. we play, like, a game of living chess with all of the <laughs> inmates. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't want you to see that. No, I, it would, everyone would just feel bad. Yeah. Uh, except for us. <laughs> Yeah, we love it. We, it, it, it amuses it's, us. It's, it's our favourite Thursday activity. Do, does the king want to come and watch for the his king? pleasure? Yeah. <laughs> to be entertained at the king's pleasure? So Bedlam had done its gosh darn best to avoid having to be inspected. And while every madhouse in the country was subject to regular scrutinising, Bedlam had managed to slip through all the little loopholes and mm -hmm. make sure that nobody could ever look inside their little asylum. So taking in prisoners therefore introduced risks. But it would also bring in money. 
Oh, uh, mm. and they were, you know, considering a really expensive move to St. George's Fields. Mm. They were going to have to renovate the kitchens and, you know, yeah. and the government was like, well, we'll pay you like nearly 20,000 pounds. And, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It's quite tempting, isn't it? So they were suckered into introducing a criminal ward. Speaking of big moves, though, shall we move to the workshop to check in on how our unlawful child labor is coming along? Oh, let's do that. Let's go play chess with the orphans. Okay, that's really good. <laughs> so, we have an exciting announcement for the workshop. We do, the workhouse. Workshop, workhouse. Why are we, are we, why am are I we, calling we, it a workshop? Are we changing its name to workshop for some like legal reason or something? I mean, maybe we get like more like government funding or something if we call it a workshop, but it's still like an orphan slave labor place. Are we selling our orphans on Etsy? <laughs> I think we might be. <laughs> our exciting announcement for this workhouse is that our website should be coming up soon. If it isn't already, because I edit these episodes in a bubble outside time and space, and only Eldritch Law determines in which order they come out really so. yeah yeah, yeah. we obey the podcast the, affair you know yeah, we obey the old ones yes Cthulhu for Targon blah 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 Cthulhu. so please I wrote so please to stop by please to stop by please to stop by please to stop by and visit us at awfulforever.com where we'll be putting up exciting things like show notes useful links and the odd piece of extra compliment Com- ah! <laughs> I'm done now I'm Get done it's good and the odd piece of extra content to supplement our episodes. Yes. Since this podcast is a labor of love in between our day jobs, we've been struggling to find the time to get this ready. And so I want to take this moment to thank my marvelous, long-suffering partner for building the site, rebuilding the site, and telling me to stop yelling at him to build the site, <laughs> and constantly encouraging us to... And then to... also me also arriving be like, is the site yet? Have we got a site yet? So thank you very much, Strix. It will be up soon. Thank you. It's just going to be cool. There's a mausoleum there as well. Where you can weep over those who support us. Forever immortalizing those that have decided to support us with money. So keep an eye on our social media. We'll be putting up links when the time comes. You can find us on Twitter at AwfulForeverPod, Instagram at AwfulForeverPodcast. Or if you want extra content right now, damn it, right now, (laughs) then consider signing up to our Patreon at patreon forward slash awful forever podcast i'm so proud of you thank you jess i remembered and to those of you who have signed up to our patreon thank you so much we really appreciate your help even though we do express our thanks by spreading awful rumors about you we're telling you we love you in the only way we know how with hatred and spite we've been dead inside for so long jess Also, if you want us to kind of shit on you a little bit, like Greg and Mildred, you can use our hashtag, AwfulForeverPod. And, you know, that helps us spread the word because we don't pay to advertise this, so word of mouth is like the only way that we can grow. And if you like it, then it'd be really awesome if we could grow and then we can do more shit and it's gonna be good. And we get to pick on you in the meantime. Yeah, it's be fun. That'll be fun. Fun for us. Oh yeah. So, let's leave the workhouse and stride out once more into to the sunlight and the sight of the Lord. Uh, uh, back inside the watch! <laughs> In fact, 
let's fuck right out of London. Okay. And head to York. But that's a different place of Britain, and I'm scared. It's where you get the sexy accents. Oh, oh I really I'm not even joking. I love York. Heading to York, where the Quakers were up to some interesting shenanigans, mm-hmm. outside of their usual interesting shenanigans. So people went mad in the north of England as well. And the biggest asylum was that in York, built towards the end of the 1700s. It was technically able to house 64 inmates, but within two years it was being criticized for overcrowding. Hmm. And York went, Anke, where else are you going to put your mad? Shove it. Shove it up your ass. (laughs) Their words, not mine. Now, the York Asylum managed to upset the Quakers by uh, killing one of them. Oopsie. That was my bad. In 1790, it took in a woman called Hannah Mills, a widow who was suffering from melancholy. No one was allowed to visit her when she was inside, including the ministers who wanted to pray for her well-being. And Paul Chambers, who describes this episode, says that it's not really clear if they did it out of spite Mm. or because, you know, they just didn't allow people inside. So her community was convinced that she was being abused behind closed doors. And... Uh, um, It seemed pretty justified on account of the fact that a month later she was dead. Oh. One of the leading members of the Quaker community, William Tuke, was especially upset by this. He was just a cool dude. He was against um, slavery. He was against the cruelties committed by the East India Trading Company. He thought that the mad deserved to be treated like people. I like him. I don't like him. I think that disturbs the status quo. And sounds like a real nerd, doesn't he? Sounds he? like a fucking dog. And if I <laughs> want to be king, I just really want to, you know... Keep everyone, you know, squashed down mm. and, and shut up. Without know? them inconveniencing you. Don't inconvenience me. I want to watch my human chess game of mad people. So William too disagreed with, with your kingly ideals. Mm. And later, a comment made by his young daughter inspired him to launch an asylum specifically for Quakers. Oh! I, like, <laughs> I love the Quakers. His retreat for the insane would house about 30 patients in a spacious location where the residents could roam freely, surrounded by gardens and fields, and there were going to be cows. Oh. They could play with the cows. I want to go. I want to do that. <laughs> Rather than copy Monroe's outdated techniques, William Tuke and his son Henry researched more modern liberal ideas, taking inspiration from Pinnell, who advocated against chains and violence, and instead suggested light-rewarding jobs to keep the patients occupied. So... Gardening and sewing and cooking and like... Oh, how domestic. I like it. How cute and quaint. While they were doing all of this, there'd be doctors around just in case. Oh, well, this sounds lovely. Sign me up. There was going to be no use of medication, so no bleedings, no medication medication bleedings, (laughs) purgatives. And if patients became violent, they would be restrained, but only until they calmed down again. And then they'd be let loose. And they kept the chains kind of hidden, so behind curtains and stuff, so that the patients didn't need to look at them all the time. Hmm. Until Mildred lost her shit, and then they'd be like, take her to the window! (laughs) The rooms were comfortable and accessible. Instead of building this really tall building with numerous floors and nobody seeing the sun, they just built this kind of long one or two-story building. 
where everybody had access to the outside and everything was visible. Philippa, this is too nice and progressive. This is everything's awful forever. Where's the underground basement dungeon of torture? This sounds nicer than my house. Yeah, fuck can it. I, can I go there? Yeah. And the whole scheme was founded on the belief that kindness and compassion would do more than vomiting and bloodletting. Philippa, what is this? I just... Disgusting. What's... We want horrible things in this podcast? Let me deliver. Okay. Gonna come. I I shall trust you again <laughs> after this only. <laughs> Philippa, words are not enough anymore. Vomit in front of me. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so William Tuke had established this new retreat, which was great for the Quakers, but his son Henry wanted to improve other asylums, other asylums as well, now that they believed that they knew what worked. Mm. He and his son Samuel wrote articles on the treatment of the mad and began to research other asylums and their methods. And in the process, they upset their old enemy, Dr. Charles Best, the physician at York Asylum. Oh dear. I like to think of him yelling in a Yorkshire accent. Oh yeah, it's very good. Pleases me. I'm not doing it. It's only for our <laughs> Patreon episodes. <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll have to hear it on Patreon. <laughs> My Yorkshire Sean Bean impression. <laughs> Dr. Charles Best wrote an angry and stupid letter to the York Chronicle under a pseudonym, but everyone knew it was him because it was basically like, why are you being so mean to Charles Best? He's such a great physician and you're just being so mean. <laughs> Signed, Balls Chest. <laughs> And Samuel Took published his own reply going, So, in all of our publications, we've never really mentioned the York Asylum by name, so... Mm. Is, is it you, Charles? I feel like that's a light giving himself away to L situation there. Just a little... Now he knows his name and face, and he can write his name in his book, and that's how you die. <laughs> Samuel Took published his own reply initiating a Twitter war, as suddenly everybody needed to weigh in on the matter because this <laughs> was scandalous. And it was decided that York Asylum doth protest too much and what are they hiding behind their closed doors? Mm. So York Asylum at that time made the mistake of releasing one of their pauper lunatics, William Vickers. He'd only been there a few months, but he emerged physically and emotionally broken, infested with lice and with a rotting leg. Mm. Uh, at, at, for some reason at the time when they were getting such bad publicity, they were like, yeah, show him out there. <laughs> Behold. I love, again, this is an audio medium, but my reply was just a disgusted expression of which you could not hear. So One day we shall add these to the show notes on our website. <laughs> just taking pictures of us, like... <laughs> 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 when people started to clamor to see what was going on behind closed doors, the asylum refused, saying that it treated its patients with all possible humanity and please don't come over, we're washing our hair today. And <laughs> it's just very inconvenient. Well, I haven't made the bed or hoovered up and it's embarrassing, you know. Mm, I, I haven't cleaned. I, I still need to shove all my pauper lunatics behind the sofa. And, yeah. Yeah. So the Quakers decided to overcome this by purchasing positions on the asylum's board of governors because so many people were um, supporting them at this time educated and wealthy people were like those religious people have a point kindness and compassion towards the mad very nice give them money i don't want to do anything good but i shall throw my cash at them and so 
They purchased these positions on the, the Board of Governors until they kind of ran the institution. Oh, wow. I like it. Mm. Once they reached that point, they decided to launch their own investigative committee. Suspiciously, what do you know? The asylum caught fire just before the inspection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Oh, oh, damn, I wanted to show you all of my nice, clean, lunatics. Oh, that vacuum. Damn it. I just washed the dishes. Oh, you'll never see how non-cruel we were. Alas. Damn it. Four patients were killed in the fire. Oh, God. We laughed, but we're crying. And people were like, did they... Did they? start that fire and the newspapers were like no 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 let's be objective let's let's not cast aspersions but later one of the asylum stewards was caught in the act of burning damning documents just Uh tossing papers onto the fire going whoops oh did i drop that whoops there's another one no this is very important put it in the in the fire no not in the oh for god damn it oh you (laughs) but it was not too late to make some damning discoveries for example it turned out that no governor had inspected the York Asylum for 20 years. Oh, wow. And basically what they did for the York governors before the Quakers took over is the board of governors would come over for their quote-unquote inspection and they'd be led into a nice room with a good <laughs> fire and a delicious dinner and they'd be like all the hospital staff holding bottles of wine and everyone looked really happy and they'd have this big dinner in this pretty room someone's playing the harp in the background mm. and they'd go oh, wow, wow, excellent asylum if every room is like this no no we don't need to check the other rooms we had a delicious pheasant that's good home for the day i think i need my nap time Mm. all good a plus (laughs) marvelous and then they'd leave Mm. i'm not even exaggerating a little bit wow (laughs) so they'd been bribed into good humor by lavish meals in a nice room but behind closed doors the york asylum was filthy damp and poorly ventilated the patients wore rags or lived naked and many of them showed signs of hypothermia. It was also rarely overcrowded, they were poorly fed, they were malnourished, they showed signs of having been badly beaten or whipped. Mm. I'm just saying all of this quickly to get out of the way because it's sad. (laughs) Yeah. Rape was really common and a number of female patients became pregnant while they were there or they just disappeared. Oh no. Never to be seen again. Oh my god. So... Hospital records would show some names Mm. and then other records would be fudged and maybe nobody saw Janet again. That's so sad. Like, you've got Mm. poor Janet's there. There's a record of her until there just isn't a record of her Then there's just a suspicious little ink blot, really. But we know that Janet went in there. Oh, man. Get back to talking about the nice (laughs) happy retreat. Living like a cow. (laughs) Like Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. (laughs) Many patients were chained to the floor. And those chains were then just covered up with rotting straw. During the inspection, the magistrate Godfrey Higgins, who was a close friend of the Tukes, it's a good name. It's just Godfrey Higgins. All these names are just so like if you were doing like a D and D campaign, and these are all the <laughs> names you'd fucking choose choose for your NPCs <laughs> in Britain. So poor old Godfrey came across a locked door hidden away. When he asked for the key, he was told that no one had it, and the door had been locked for years. <gasps> what? 
And Godfrey was a sneaky man, so he was like, Okay, I'm just going to go root for the key. And as he said that, he snatched the keys from the keeper, from his belt, and unlocked the door, finding the key quite quickly. Inside this very small room were 13 old women, semi-naked and covered in their own filth. Higgins was so horrified by the sight that he just left the room and vomited. So the scale of of abuse at the York Asylum was so bad that the Quakers were like, well, we're just going to rebuild it from the ground up. Mm. And they they did. They pretty much took over the asylum and they made it exactly like their retreats. I mean, the building wasn't ideal, but Mm. within a very short space of time, they'd put in their own methods, hired their own people, made improvements to the building, and it became nearly as good as the retreat that they'd made themselves. But for non-Quakers... But this started a scandal because finally people were seeing how the mad were being treated Mm. and the Quakers were on a roll. So they decided that they were going to fucking reform every fucking asylum in Britain. Hmm. People supported their movements and it was carried all the way to Bedlam at last. Which is where I'm going to stop for this episode because I've been talking for a while about (laughs) Just look at the time stamp. Oh, look at the time. I need to wash my hair. Okay, bye. Bye. I need to go clean up my mad people. Is this why you won't ever let me see this particular cupboard in your room? You're right, Jess. It's not where I keep my sex toys. It's where I keep my lunatics. It's just for real. Like, once she had to get something out of that cupboard and she was like, Don't look! Don't look! Don't look! Don't look! Lock the door! It's okay, Philip. Like, it's fine. I I wasn't going to... Don't look! Don't look! (laughs) That is the answer, Jess. You've got 13 old ladies. I think we need to accept that whatever you find beyond that door would sky your mind forever. Right. So, next time I do an episode on Bedlam, it will be my last. Uh Uh, It will never be my last. (laughs) Well, I mean it this time, Jess. Next time will be my last. We'll look at what happens to Bedlam, and then we will shut its doors forever. Burn it to the ground. So, yes. We gotta some things are nice sometimes. Yes. I think it's your turn. What what good has happened to you, Jess? What bounties have landed in your lap? What has happened to me? Okay, my some things are nice sometimes are pals. I like you and you're good and we hang out and it's fun. And I just had a nice time recently. And I don't think either of them listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> I think they did in the beginning to support us, but now they've stopped because they don't really support me. <laughs> Because they're bad friends. Because they're not great friends. But it's just, it's just nice. Just your pals are good. Find your nearest pal, give them a hug. Because I love that I don't really like many people, like, at all. It takes a lot for me to like someone. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm only nearly there. Yeah, you're not... Uh, I, mean, it's, I mean... You don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> as, as I want to be the king, you know, most pe- peasants are beneath me. But mm-hmm. then there's some humans that's like, you're weird, and I like you. So you pick that human that you like, and you're like, we shall, we shall be... We shall do activities together and speak and hang around each other. And, and you can be my chamberlain fun. one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just ha- I've just had like a few nice nice times with my pals lately, and it's nice. 
I like that. Yeah. I think that is very nice. It's a good one, isn't it? Hug a friend. Yeah. Make them your. Or if you don't have friends, just go outside and pick someone and hug them. Now they're your friend. Done. I solve friends for you. Why now do you people got... say it's so hard? It's not hard at all. Go outside, go into a crowd, crowd surf upon them while they're unexpected. <laughs> now you've got like six friends. <laughs> this is so easy. I don't know what you've got. We should do about. more of that. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Get it done. Or start a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you got hundreds of friends. Now you got a million friends. So shall we go outside and hug a random stranger? No, that's a terrible idea. I'm only telling the goddamn peasants to do that, Philip. I'm not doing it. You're, you're the king. You don't need friends. I have two friends and that's enough. <laughs> done. In fact, one. One friend. One friend. Not, no. None, none, none actually really meet the cut. I'm looking at you excitedly like I think it's me, but I think it's not. <laughs> it's really not. Let's go. No. Okay. Done. Bye. Done Bye. <laughs> I'm going to go cry sadly to myself. <laughs>